Welcome to Mondo Street Social Club's Project Hush. In this special series, we talk to past guests about the impact of mental health on their lives and creativity. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Project Hush from Mondo Street Social Club. We're joined by Chris tetrault Blay. He comes back to the podcast to talk about his mental health, how that's affected his creativity. Chris, you may remember, is an author and a wrestling fan. So without further ado, let's hear from Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you today? I'm very well. Thank you, mate. Thank you so much for asking me to come back on. It's a pleasure to be with you again. Yeah, and always a pleasure to uh, touch base with you. Before we start, Chris, and and talk about what Project Hush is for, Mm. I just wanted to offer my congratulations on the uh, It's a Long Way to the Moon, (laughs) being an audio book now on on Spotify, and just how much I enjoyed it. Oh, really? Oh, thank you. Bless you for saying that. Yeah, it's... uh, It was was fantastic. Thank you. I See, the audio book, it has been out. I got that done... Not long after it's published, so it's published in 2019, I think. Right, okay. I think well, 2019, 2020. It's been out a few years, and yeah. I got the audiobook done shortly after it was published. So it's been out there on other platforms, yeah. but as soon as I knew that the, the platform Find Away Voices that I've actually sort of published it through were teaming up with Spotify, I was just been waiting, yeah. you know, because oh, yeah. you know, for me, yeah, I I don't the money side has never really bothered me too much. Anyway, I don't do this for the money, but I it's the exposure, it's the fact that it's out there on a platform like that. I was so happy yeah. and, and I just when I when I got the, the email from them to say mm-hmm. we've now done this, I went straight on there to have a look. Am I on it? Yeah. My yeah. my kids are really excited. So uh, oh, yeah. And, and 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 as an independent reviewer, uh, I've got to say it's um irrespective of the, the listener's age, it's just a bloody mm-hmm. good story. Thank you. So so hats off to you, mate. You so happy that you that you got there. Yeah. Um so after Project Hush then, so I think I think we touched first time that we spoke, we touched about a, a little bit on mental health issues and, you know, we've, we've both been through the ringer a bit ourselves. Yeah. Um, how are you doing now? You know, are you in a place where you can look back and get some perspective on what you've been through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I... <sighs> it's 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 a, a certain amount of time. You know, I, I count this from when I was first diagnosed, I suppose, which was about 10 years ago. Um, I think it's gone on for a lot longer before that, but that was at the yeah. point that I actually, you know, it, it had a name for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, absolutely. I've had two quite bad bouts within that period of time, but I'm I'm quite far removed in a way from that now. And I think each time I've gone through it, it's taught me something different about myself. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 I you know, by all means, I'm not fixed. I don't think mm. anyone who goes through this truly is. I think you'd be you'd be naive to kind of think that you'll ever be clear of it. Um, yeah. But definitely, I can I can think and talk about it a lot better because I, I think I see it a lot clearer now. You know, and um, it's been I would say three years now since my last sort of bad bout where you know everything is kind of crashing down. So you know, it, it takes time. But no, everything, yeah, not exactly rosy, but I, I'm, I'm coping a lot better and I, I can go, you know, day to day knowing I'm all right, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So so when you when you look back over the, the past three years since, since your last bout, mm. do, do you do you recognize triggers? Do you recognize what was what was pushing you that way? 
it was work for a big thing for me was so if I rewind right back to to when I first sort of was diagnosed firstly it's um uh, anxiety and depression which I know a, a lot a lot of people yeah. struggle with uh, it was um I think social anxiety is is my sort of main area that I, I really struggle with and it was 2013 and there was a trigger back then like I said, I think it was something that was always in me anyway for, for a number of years, but there was a, a trigger, there was some personal stuff that you know, went down to do with my parents. They they split up when I was younger, when yeah. I was like seven. So this is, let me think, where was I? 20, I was coming up 30, 29. And I was learning, I, I happened to learn more about their breakup than I knew before. And it kind of, I remember that point, I remember that day that I found mm-hmm. that out. And I think over those next sort of three months, I just ended up taking a bit of a spiral and I didn't really yeah. know what was going on. It, it, it took my wife as ever to be the one to turn and say, you need to talk, do you need to talk to someone? I can't help you. Um, which sound may sound harsh, but she struggles with this as well. And she knows her mm-hmm. limit. Um, yeah. And she knew she couldn't really do enough for me. So that's at the point 2013 that I went and I, I, I sought medical help um and i was i was diagnosed with anxiety and, and depression you know quite bad mm-hmm. depression at the time and i went through medication i went through cbt yeah um <clears throat> so i i count okay that's 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 the starting point of when i was aware of it and there's been two bouts mm-hmm. since that the last one in 2020 i should rewind a few years before that my really bad bout was in 2018 it was completely work related and yeah. i think it was the same in 2020. I was in the same job. It just, right. and I, I have always struggled with taking on too much on myself. And I think I was in the worst possible job. I was told not to go into, I was working in the parcels industry and I'd had done it before. I knew how stressful it was. I'd gone back in there against other people's advice because I would thought, you know, it's different this time. I'll, I won't let it get to me. Yeah. And it took everything from me. There was no work-life balance. I was stressed out of my tree. I couldn't sleep. Um, so both times the trigger has been that. And in 2020, before it got too bad, I I left that job. Right. I, I had nothing else to go to. It got so bad that even my wife was like, we need to get you out. Just leave. Oh. Um, because we knew where it was going and I couldn't afford to go back there. So I was like, I'm going to do something different. 2020 was rough for us all, let's be honest. Mm. Um, as well as COVID, I could be quite open. I had a couple of other health issues happen that year as well. Mm. I lost someone I knew. My boss died of COVID. And this was all within the span of a, a few months. So between April and July that year, I went through all of that. Um I got diagnosed with Lyme's disease as well, um, which really affected my health and you know just my ability to cope with anything. I then got made redundant. Well, I was at, f- at risk of being made redundant. The company I was with made um, the, the, the position I was in in compliance. They made the entire department redundant, put me back in the job that put me oh, in the dark God. place in the first place. So again, I had no other choice then. I had to take that because that was all that I had. I couldn't land, you know, I had mortgage, I had kids. I couldn't, I couldn't come away from it in my head. Three weeks I lasted in that role. And then I was in my depot, my local depot that I was managing at the time. 
and just things were just going wrong left right and center and it was the one point mm-hmm. then i picked up the phone to my boss and i was like i can't do this basically i'm gonna have to go back to the doctor and then he was the one that said you need to consider whether this is right for you full stop um, yeah. and that was it and i think the the trigger for me was work but the the way of coming out of it was being able to make that decision having the support to make that decision to just just leave without having yes i got cushioned because i was still able to get my redundancy money so it gave me a bit mm-hmm. of breathing room which not a lot of people have that luxury but i needed that and once i was away from it it was massive weight just feel it you know before the stress kicked in about what am I going to do now, um, just knowing I was free of that, it just just lightens immediately. Mm. It, it, yeah, it's it's a environmental stress is a is a terrible thing because it does box you in. It really does. And and I, and I think that when you have a when you've had a an episode of anxiety or stress or depression previously in your life, you do lose that ability to measure what you're capable of. Yeah. So, so going back into that field or being pushed back into that field, yeah. you feel you can cope because you've got through it once, but actually you're a little bit more susceptible at yeah. that point. I went through a bit of both because it was kind of like, yes, I went through that. It was I'd like justifying to myself because I thought this is all, this is the only, um, I've got to go back into this role. This is all I've got. Um, I, you know, I, I can afford to not take it. Mm-hmm. So I'm convincing myself, convincing my wife, it will be okay. Yeah. knowing it wouldn't be um and i think then on the flip side once i was in there knowing the restrictions almost or mm. knowing my um my triggers my um not my barriers my my limits mm. that was the most important thing is i already knew that so as soon as i felt it go wrong i was like you know i know what i need to do i just i just you know you then feel like you can't make that decision you have to mm. make it work, but knowing it hadn't the, f- the first time around, I, you know, it made the decision easier, I suppose. But it was noticing it when I reached that limit. That was yeah. important. That was a really important thing. I didn't know that the first time around, 2018, I completely fell apart. Um, I, it was out of nowhere. I'm just trying to think. Again, I can usually remember these things. I think I was driving. I'm based in Newton Abbott down South Devon. My my local depot that I was based under was Bridgewater, which is about an hour away. I was something had happened. You know, the the, the job I had uh, with the parcels company I was with, National Parcels Company. I'm not going to name them. Mm-hmm. Um, their reputation is bad enough as it is. <laughs> um, but it was you know basically you 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 manage location all the couriers within it and things that go yeah. wrong if there's, there's there's rounds that go down you have to do everything you can to cover them and i think that was really getting on top of me in terms of i can't do anymore but i'm still expected to do more what can i do what are they expecting of me i was driving to bridgewater one day and i i couldn't do it i got there i was sweating i was shaking my boss pulled me to one side and said like, what's going on and i just spilled it basically yeah. as much as i could i was like you know i yeah. can't do this he sent me home i was off for two months um away from work um complete break kind of did me good you know I, I again it took him to say because he says why are you here why why are you not off getting you know seeing the doctor i said because i mm-hmm. i only get a few weeks sick leave i can't do it that is that is the attitude i think we can all take we 
we want to get help, but there's a reason why we can't. Yeah, and we can always find a reason. Exactly. So it didn't take much. Then it took him turning around and saying, you do realise you've got this amount per year that you can take. And I was like, right, fair enough. Consider me off. I need to get myself sorted. So I was off for two months and did all the second time around. I did the medication. I did the CBT. Um, but I knew I had to go back. That was the big thing. It was then came yeah. to the end, towards the end of that when I knew I had to come back. And they were going to help me. They said, "We'll. What do you need from us?" My boss came to my house along with a member of HR. Yeah. You know, like, what do you need us to do? So I was like, right. I, if I come back, I need it to be staggered. I need it to be gentle. I can't just launch back in. They they set out a um, like a return to work. You know, a staggered return to work. A phase return. That's it. Phase return, which lasted all of about a week. Yeah. And. Again, that was an ele- that was a bit of knowledge I needed when it happened again a, f- a couple of years later. I knew they weren't going to be able to help me or they weren't going to be willing to help me properly. Um, so you learn a lot from every time that you go through. And I think it took that time before um, of, of, of giving me the knowledge of what I needed to do the following time, really. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, um, that last night or the last weekend before you were due to go back to work mm-hmm. must have been awful for you because you, you must have been ramping yourself right up yeah. to that first trip back into work. Yeah, it was difficult because I think along that time, about a week before, it was my sister-in-law's um, wedding. Um, so it was great. You know, I was getting towards the end of my time off. I was relaxed. Yes, I was medicated, so that was helping. But the fact that I hadn't had any distress around me and then we had that joyous occasion at the end, it was a real mix of emotions because I was like yeah. on a high, trying not to think about work. But immediately after that, you've got, okay, there's nothing in between this now. Um, and I had to drive to Bridgewater. I had to drive an hour again to have my return to work. Even then, I could feel I was lying when he said, are you ready? I'd already done this once. I went, tried going back after a month, <laughs> had my return to work, got straight up there. And again, I was just shaking and he was like, you're not ready. I was like, no, no I'm not. But no. I thought I had to. Yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. I, I feel I have to. And I fell on that again, but I thought, I can't do this now. I need to just, almost like ripping a band-aid off, you know, the whole cliche. I need to just do it and get back into it. Once I'm into it, I think I'll probably be okay. Um, a few months later, I got offered a different position that took me out of that role into compliance which is what i still what i'm working now it's what i I actually enjoy it's what i'm comfortable doing took me away from that direct responsibility for all of these problems when they occur because Mm. i i I had a role within them but it wasn't my responsibility to deal with them which is when a couple years later when they took that job away that is when it started because they took away my safety net you know it's my 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 uh, my bubble my comfort blanket whatever you want to pass it as they took that away um yeah it, 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 it just plonks you onto a tightrope doesn't it yes it does you know yeah you, that level footing that you felt that you had that that comfort blanket like you said mm. but that level footing that stability goes away and then you're back on your wobble board yeah. and you can you can feel your mind starting to to move away yeah. starting to think about what's happened previously and then absolutely house of cards it is and it's a curse and a blessing at the same time to have had that experience because you almost you you're you're waiting for this to happen again but you can foresee when it is, or you can recognise when it is. If it's already started, you know, okay, 
how and hopefully got a bit of a better idea of how to cope with it yeah. by then that's what all my therapy was about was coping techniques and the first mm. time around in 2013 i thought it was a load of old rubbish <laughs> um because i went through all the sessions and i tell you what in my head i knew okay i, I think a lot of people can figure this this out anyway when they're in these situations but i i, I did a degree in psychology so i knew almost how i had to act and what i had to say to convince yeah. people i was all right yeah um and i i knew i had like a i think it was a three-month program and i knew when my end date was and i was like i'm, I'm going to guarantee myself that that is going to be my end date it all sounded very good you know that i was mm-hmm. i was i was determined to reach that point but I, in my head i was like whatever i feel like i'm going to make that my last one yeah yeah um i'm going to make people think that i'm all right mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's that's classic masking isn't it it's yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm broken on the inside mm. but i want you to see me as normal yeah, I, yeah exactly. I, I don't you please don't recognize any weakness in me no. because we need to be father husband provider and this is it and i'm not gonna yeah. say you know i'll probably get crucified for saying this but i think it's inherent in us naturally as men that we feel like we we cannot oh, yeah, say yeah. these things we're not allowed um, we're meant to be the ones who are meant to be there, be the rock for our our family base. You know, if we're feeling it, I, I, you know, my my wife is sort of the opposite to that almost. You know, she does struggle with the same things as me, but she openly will say, "I would not give in to this." So through this, I've been trying to kind of go back and and, and be her support as well. You know, while trying yeah. to fix myself. Yeah, it's it, it's funny how men consciously, subconsciously always put themselves in that position of being the rock within the family mm. when everybody knows it's the woman. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say it's, that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's one of those silly things that men convince themselves of. <laughs> oh, I'm the rock of this family. And this and is, it's been a, that way. No. It's always, it's even, always going back eons, I think it's always been that way. And um, we've just been yeah. conditioned to... Well, I think I think the ladies are kind enough to let us think that way. That is it, because I think it's all sometimes it's all we've got <laughs> to fall back. Yeah, well, on, the, massaging our ego, aren't they? Yeah, let's <laughs> put Mister Grumpy back in his chair. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, have you ever? And I, I've I've had this, and I've discussed this previously. But when you have a, a gap um, or a, a period of remission, do you ever miss how when how you felt when you were ill? Because that was part of you, part of like your internal identity. Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah, I I think I have to admit, yes, I have. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's it's. I'm not going to say it's euphoric or anything like that, but yeah. the, it's the moment when you know you have admitted mm. there is something wrong, and you you seek that help, even if it's just talking to someone. You're not actively going out yeah. and contacting the doctor yourself. You're making someone aware of. Um, I have it. I have a problem. I need help. Yeah. Um, please recognise this for me, mm-hmm. so you can help. Once that happens, it is. It is just this. It is, that weight is lifted immediately. Mm-hmm. Not fully, but at least enough for you to say, "Okay, I've done yeah. the hardest bit." Mm-hmm. So sometimes, like even now, if I feel myself, you know, I'm a lot. I'm a lot, lot better than I was. Um, I, I suppose I do miss the fact of like sometimes not just wanting to give into it. Mm. but there is you know letting people know there is a reason why i act a certain way in certain situations don't think it's me being either awkward or rude or anything like that there is a reason for it and i think during the stages of, of when 
you openly admit that you've got this issue, a lot more people around you pick up on that than you realise, and they do treat yeah. you uh, a bit differently. Um, and I think, yeah, sometimes that's the only real element, I think, mm. that I miss is just mm. that recognition of if I'm feeling really tight on something and it's, it's affecting my behaviour, um, it, it's just the world around me knowing that that is that's the reason for it. You know, it will pass. Yeah. Maybe we should have badges or yeah. specific specific coloured lights that sit on our shoulders. I think so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something just strange like that. You know, yeah. it's, I think we'd all have a, them though, wouldn't we? We'd all have them because well, I think well, every, everybody has. Yeah, everybody has moments in their lives where things come become too much mm. or they they lose the the focus or the ability yeah. to to deal with things. And it's yeah. you know you, you've hit the, you've hit the nail on the head already. It, it is about discussing this yeah it's, it's about whether it's over a beer with your best mate yeah. or over a curry with your missus it's yeah it's trying to talk to as many people because because everybody has it mm. you know we've got to get over this thing about feeling embarrassed yeah and feeling shame yeah you know and it's very easy to say that yeah um but it's something we've got to practice because you know we've if we don't say it people yeah. will assume we're just being Exactly, yeah. you know, grumpy or quiet. Yeah, and and it goes way deeper than that. It does, and not all of us are going to react the same way. It's not going to come out in the same behaviours in everyone. You know, if someone yeah. close to you, um, you know, they see you act a certain way or do certain specific things, um, unless you say something, they're not going to make. They're not going to put two and two together. It doesn't set a beacon off saying, mm. "This is my anxiety or this is my depression." Yeah. Um, yeah. you know. It, it took something fairly specific for this, you know, this discussion to take place with, with myself and my wife and for her to even suggest that um, I, I needed to get, I needed to see someone. If that hadn't have happened, um, then it would, you know, I, I, I would have kept on for months. It would have happened at some point, but it, I would have kept on for months and months and months trying to, trying to make excuses for why I acted like I was, you know, I was incredibly, moody i couldn't put a nail on it i was being horrible as a person um thankfully my kids weren't around at the time because i think the the thing that i was really guilty of the second time around is is they had not physically they 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 may have taken the brunt of it kind of emotionally because i you know that's how it comes out in in me is just it's almost like a rational anger frustration i just don't become very nice and um back when we didn't know what that was you know there there were other things that were being read into it that weren't true and you know it's 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 then you know people they're not good unless you crack that egg open and start you know looking inside people around you aren't going to know you know and at least now you know she's been there and she she can sort of sense when these things were happening again so yeah mine mine manifest itself in exactly the same way mm. I've become fairly unpleasant and, yeah you know uh, moody aggressive yeah. unpleasant to be around and I, I went for many years not knowing what that was yeah it's yeah. horrible um and not being able to put two and two together because like you said you make excuses yeah you, you say well I had a bad day in work so that's <laughs> yeah. why I'm grumpy yeah. yeah or or my football team lost that's why I'm grumpy yeah and I can't go to the doctor because I can't get an appointment. So it, yeah. it will watch over me. I'll be fine. Great excuses. It's, it's the, the classic one is they won't listen to me. They won't think it's important enough. I'll be wasting yeah. their time. Yeah. It's the worst thing you can say. 
worst thing you can think. You know, it is the worst thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, you know, yeah. I. We we know it's very difficult at the moment to access uh, mental health services, mm. um, but it's still something that people should try. You've got yeah. you've got to Absolutely. you've got to get on the pathway and you've got to go through the hoops Absolutely. to get to the end result. Yeah, um, not doing it because it takes a long time to do it no. That's is it. doing yourself a disservice. It's actually going to make yourself sicker. Of course it is. Uh, of course yeah, it is. Yeah. Don't feel that you're. We all think we're admitting a weakness. It, it is. It's a weakness in your health. You need to take care of that, you know. Um, and the transverse is that, yes, it's a weakness in your health, but it's a strength in you to actually talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so so anybody that puts their hand up and says, I'm not okay, in my books is a, is a bit of a hero. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that yeah, would be there. Yeah. Yeah. So how did, the, how did it affect your writing then? Because I, I know... We, we, we spoke about A Long Way to the Moon, mm. uh, and that is a fairly, well, it is a very light piece. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's a children's story. It's yeah. very upbeat. It's very jolly. Mm. But some of your other work isn't as jolly as that. And, and this is it. This is what's interesting, because you can, you can pretty much predict where I was. Yeah. And it's as clear as that. Um, so right at the beginning, the, the time I started writing, you know, properly, you know, you know, writing my fiction, writing my horror, 2013. Yeah. The, the there, you go. <laughs> there you go. There was a yeah. lot of stuff happening then. So, I mean, this, this didn't help as well. So I think it was April, May time that I finally sort of really, you know, recognized it and got myself you know, to the doctor. Um, June of that year, we bought our first house. Mm-hmm. September that year, my wife found out she was pregnant. Wow, that's um, a lot. It's a lot. So I started, <laughs> I think it was, it's as early as she found out, early September that year. And it's as, it's as soon as sort of two weeks later, I was starting to write stuff down for the first time. Wow. Um, it started off, I think I mentioned last time, I started off with, you know, messing around with song lyrics and stuff. I was, I was messing around with trying to put some words on paper, but they didn't really, they weren't mm-hmm. going anywhere. This was the point at which I started to turn my attention elsewhere. So I, by the point that she found out, she was expecting i had gone through my treatment i'd come out the other end i was feeling quite i was feeling better a sense of achievement that i had done that Uh um again the medication was really helping leveling me out um but that is when i started writing because it was like it wasn't a conscious decision like this is going to be therapeutic i need to do this i started doing it and immediately felt a sense of release so that is why and how I was able to then write my first three or four books within, mm-hmm. you know, within the space of two or three years. Wow. Um, because I was constantly, I, I had a routine. I knew when yeah. I was going to do it. I knew how much I wanted to achieve. I had the clear mm-hmm. idea. All these stories were just coming to me. The nature of them was pulling on the, the dark place that I had been to. I may have yeah. not been quite as deep in it then, but it, I had the experience. I had these, these thoughts that I could pull on. So it was a sense of inspiration yeah. for that. Um, and that went through to my spell in 2018. I didn't do a lot of writing while I was off work. During that time, I felt I needed, I, I, I actually um, fell headlong into reading. I, I read the entire time. I, I, that is when I discovered Steve Alton's Meg series. Again, completely unrelated to what I was going through, but it, that was exactly it. It gave me that distraction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I feel my writing during that period had helped at least draw. It was like, 
it's like bloodletting, isn't it? I think it's <laughs> yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just like let, just turning the tap on, letting some of this run out into something um, creative, something a bit more productive. Mm. Um, when I then came around to, so when I kind of got clear of a lot of this, um, 2019, I was doing quite quite well. You know, I I was in this other position you know with the company i was with i was i was enjoying work to a certain degree again it wasn't getting to me like it was i didn't have the triggers so i was a my mood was a lot lighter my outlook was a lot more positive which is then where i started to get i i less of the horror was coming through and more of the kind of i was i was definitely picking up on more of what brought me joy so reading stories to my kids was what i really enjoyed doing that's where it's a long way to the moon manifesting. Yeah. <laughs> I was just in that good place. Um, step forward again, I tried going back to horror in late 2019. Um, anyone out there who knows NaNoWriMo or NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month happens November every year. It's a, it's a, a for anyone who doesn't know, it's a, it's a month-long challenge where anyone can do it, anyone who wants to write. You know, even if you've never written anything before, you set yourself a challenge of writing 50,000 words in a month. Okay. Um, so it equates to about 1,666 words, I think, a day. Yeah. So fairly achievable if you're disciplined. Um, 2019, so I wrote my first book during NaNoWriMo 2014. That's what helped me finish that. I thought I'd give it another go, 2019. I'll go back to horror. Mm-hmm. And a story came through. I didn't. I didn't meet this challenge. I didn't do it in November. It took me a good few months into 2020 to have anything, yeah. you know, even half a book. And then the pandemic arrived. And obviously 2020, the, the wheels started coming off. Again. Yeah, yeah. And I abandoned it. And even to this day, um, I haven't written another word on that book. Wow. Um, I've actually posted that today. Um, that I've I've enrolled myself in Nano Remo 2023 for okay. this year, and I am my challenge is to finish that book because wow. I kind of feel like now I can't let you know I'm I'm past all of that that was going on now. I'm in a much better place. Yeah. The challenge now is to put myself back in that place, but not because I emotionally belong there, but because creatively I can step back in there, do what I need to do, and then step back out. You know, I, I in theory I've I'm in a stronger place that I can now differentiate the two. Um, so th- this will be the first time I try to write in horror where, you know, anyone who's, who's, who's had any kind of addiction, they consider themselves clean and sober. This mm-hmm. is kind of where I'm feeling like I'm, I am now in terms of my mental health problems. Wow. Um, again, I said at the top, not all gone, but I'm able to, I'm coping a lot better with it. And this is the first time I would have gone back to horror. Wow. in this stage so it's going to be interesting to see how it affects yeah. really because i've always been reliant on having that that darkness around me yeah 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 you know? i i think it's quite brave actually because mm-hmm. I, I i did not to your standard at <laughs> all but I, I had a really bad bout in 2018 and i did some it's more than probably stream of consciousness yeah you know some writing then um and i came across some of it the other day i i I used to revisit it every couple of months and then obviously it was opening up wounds so i thought well i'll put it away and i came across some of it the other day and i was absolutely gobsmacked by one some of it was actually okay yeah yeah um but two, it was just so bloody raw. It was just, it was like, oh my God. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and, and I think you're quite brave. I hope that doesn't come across as No, no. no. I, I, think, I think it's brave of you to, 
to go back into what could quite easily be seen as a, um, you know, the Book of the Dead in yeah. Evil Dead. You know, you're going to open it and what, oh, what comes out. Exactly. Yeah, what comes out of it. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, I've it's, I've been I've been re-editing. I've, I've um, over sort of last few months. I've been trying to get. I, I've I've written my original horror trilogy, The World of My Apocalypse. Yeah. The the third and final book um, that I had uh, had written was released about six years ago. I had a bad sort of launch with the publisher. It was really anticlimactic for the amount, how proud I felt of that book and the trilogy, and it yeah. ruined it for me. Mm. So over the last few months, I've been gone back and I've reread the whole trilogy because I've been editing, re-editing it, ready to, you know, I've re-released them all myself, self-publishing. Brilliant. So I've reconnected with that stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I've okay. I've read it. I've mm. experienced it. I've survived it. You know, I'm not feeling a pull towards any of the the, the place I was when I wrote it. So, yeah. I, I feel like that's the differentiation now. Is if there are words on a page that come from somewhere, but I'm not there anymore. I'm I'm yeah. I'm reading it as a reader now, rather yeah. than the writer. So this new I, this new one, I've got to read the half that I've already written mm-hmm. as a reader. Yeah. Um, but then I've got to try and tap into enough of it to then finish the second half of it. So you could end up with a book that is completely different. Because <laughs> so. you must see when, you, when you're when editing the, the trilogy or reading the first half of the new one, mm. your your style must be different Yeah, because yeah. of the way your brain is, is working. That is it. I think the you, you touched on your writing that you did there and some of it being really good and some of it being yeah. really well. I think what I do appreciate from that then is the clarity. I didn't have to, there was no great effort in getting these words out. They were coming from somewhere. I just had to let them flow and I had to be there to capture them. Um, So I do, I I do respect that, but it gave me that. And whatever it is that those books represent, it may be different than where I am now, but they represent where I was. And it's it's like getting a tattoo, you know, it's the same thing. Whenever I get a new tattoo, it's like, that's where I am now. (laughs) Um, So this, yeah, the second half of this book will be quite telling I feel in, in you know how how easy it's going to be for me to put myself back in there without physically being there, yeah. you know, mentally being there. But hopefully, I will have enough inspiration from that from a literary point of view rather than a yeah. literal point of view. Yeah, yeah. You know, to to experience yeah. it. Spot the writer. That was a really nice turn there. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> You're just showing off there, aren't you? No, no, oh, they come no, no. to me at times. It's oh, just, copy, copyright quite, that one. Yeah, quite, quite often these 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 these, oh. these notes are genius. I, I'm never there oh. to put them on a page. Yeah, that's honestly. fantastic. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was on my podcast, mate, so I've got it now. <laughs> <laughs> you have it. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So have you any plans? Because listening to audiobooks for me, I get really, really engrossed in the story. Sure, yeah. And and I know that the long way to the moon is only six, six and a half minutes long. Yes. Yeah. But you really get pulled in. I think it, yeah. Can we have some audio books of your horror as well? You can. There is one out there. Um, it so it's not out on Spotify yet. I'm actually, I'm, I'm now that I know that Spotify are now doing the audio books, I'm, yeah. I'm looking into how I can, not move it because it's on Amazon, so it's it's got a very good platform. Anyway, I'm yeah. trying to figure out whether you can do both. So a necessary end is okay. the um, the horror book that I've, I've had done a few years ago. A great guy, um, very talented voice actor and musician as well, okay. uh, called Dave Jackson. He um, 
Uh, he did a fantastic, fantastic job. Yeah. And it, Necessary End is probably personally my favourite book that I've written. Right. Um, it's where I was having the most fun yeah. yeah, with my writing. I was just literally letting all of this really kind of gnarly, quite horrific stuff come out. But uh, there's a bit of humour in there as well. I think it's a yeah. fantastic, you know, um, it's my nod really to all of the horror movies that I've that I know and love. You know the real kind of cheesy monster ones, the B movie yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. So that is out there. You can get that. You can find it on Amazon on Audible. And right. yeah. um, I have already. It's been a couple of years, probably well, eighteen months or two, a couple of years since I spoke to Dave. But I did say to him that he's got the the first refusal on my World of War Apocalypse books. Wow. When they were in a position that I had them out fully in in print form and i was ready to put them out there i've given to him so i'm now at that stage so i it just it takes for me now to get in touch with him i'm hoping to have the world of more books out there as yeah. as audiobooks um at some point that's really exciting that that is yeah. really yeah. great stuff because it, I, I suppose it allows a, a wider audience to to, really to consume your books which it, is it really does i'm beyond worrying about you know making money off of this at all yeah. um not that i'll be out there on the street giving it away you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd like people to go and buy them but when i first got my my first offer of a publishing contract for my first book acolyte i had plans in my head i was going to be able to give up work you know yeah, i was going yeah. to do this i was just they'll be able to give me a multi-book deal it doesn't happen no. sorry so for me if the audiobooks is um i was late in discovering audiobooks for myself Mm. Uh, the beauty of it. it's what led me to podcasting really because it was like i was my, my job at the time needed me to i was in the car so i was listening more than i was reading anything yeah um it and even stories i knew took on a new dimension when they're in audiobook form so i was so pleased when i got my books out there the next step is yeah utilizing a platform like spotify that for a lot of people you know, I'm a I'm a premium member because you know we've got family. They all listen to yeah, Spotify. Yeah. I think there's so many people with the right access to Spotify. They'll get the audiobooks. They yeah. don't have to pay any extra for them. But my yeah. story will be out there. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. that is that's really yeah that is that's a big big thing for me to try yeah. and capitalize okay. on. That. A shout out to one of my favorite audiobooks is the uh, the audiobook of Thinner by Stephen King. Oh okay. Read by oh, uh, Paul Savino. Who was in Goodfellas? Oh, it's okay. American Italian actor. You'll recognise him. Yeah, but his, yeah. His read of the book is fantastic, and that was when I got into audio books. It's cool, yeah. And it was, I think it was four cassettes. So that show, <laughs> that's right. showing my age. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it, mate. But yeah, yeah wow. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. You discovered oh, them a lot earlier than I did. So. Yeah, or was it two seventy eight? So I can't, can't quite remember. <laughs> I did. I did have my first one on CD. I will say that. So before yeah. I, I had Spotify or anything, yeah, I had a couple of James Herbert ones. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, Red Rats, but it was one of yeah. the later ones in that trilogy I had on. Yeah, uh, that, CD. So particularly unpleasant book that the rats. Rats it is a bit. Yeah, but he. So if you, if anyone out there does like um, James Herbert's style, the the Britishness of it, the directness of it, is what really pulled oh, me into him. Yeah, I would say a necessary end is the one book I, that most people have compared to him. He was right. he was my he was my biggest sort of hero. Yeah. Um, from a from a literary point of view. And um, I'm hoping that comes through in that without seeming without without you know becoming a rip off. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, yeah, no, I love that. 
Well, that's my next audio book sorted. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so, so what else then? I, I'm, I'm immensely happy that you are in a much better place now and I'm immensely proud of you that you've been through all of that and you've come out the other end and, mm. you know, you, you're still productive and you're still you. Yeah. So that, 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 that's fantastic. Yeah. What else have you got else? What else have you got else? What else have you got going on? <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, creativity, creativity. Yeah. So Obviously not out. speech. Yeah. Not speech. It's spreading like wildfire. <laughs> Creatively. Um yeah. so I mean I the big the big thing that I've I've been celebrating recently is a couple of days ago I finally got um the third book in the World of Apocalypse series of Gods and Insects yeah. is back available again for the first time yeah. in about six years. Brilliant. Um so that was a big thing. Although it's not a, a brand new release, I've yeah. I've gone through, I've made it stronger. It's my own, it's got my logo on it. It's my yeah, my imprint, Dead Men's Tales publishing yeah. is on the book so that's that's come out um to have to go forward my next book poison in the well is the yeah. the follow-on to that trilogy that's the one i'll be working on through nanoremo yeah hopefully i'll have it if i am successful and complete it in november it'll yeah. be out um early next year um my other side my podcasting side yeah. as well that's kind of not not dropping i do a uh, a regular it's going to take a bit of a break now but i do a regular um British touring car championship relating mm-hmm. podcast called yeah. Reverse Grid. Yeah. But I've got a brand new pod, brand new pod, podcast project coming up. Yeah. I can't say too much on it at the minute because we've not got yeah. together yet to do any of the recording. We've okay. agreed. It's it's myself and another author that I met through my podcast, Dead Men Talk. Fantastic. So if you go back through the latest batch of episodes I've released this year, there is yeah. one author in there that... Um, we we hit it off so well that we straight after the episode we were like, we need to do this. Yeah. Um. And it's 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 sort of like it's a topic I've never touched on before. We decided it's going to be quite it's quite a niche one, but it's yeah. exciting. Um. Stay tuned. I can't say too much. Okay. Too much well, when you can say something about it, come back on. Oh. Well. Um. Or if you're accepting guests, give us a shout. Ah, there we go. If you follow, you if, it, if I'll let you know what it what it what it is off air. And then if yeah. it's something of interest, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah fantastic. <laughs> well, Chris, thank you very much. Um, thank you. I, I truly appreciate your, your openness and your, you know, and and your energy on this. You know, it's a thank very you. very important subject. So I think this you. is the, the the big thing I've learned from this is if you can talk about it. Um, it wasn't until I started opening up about it that I found it. You know, to begin with, it took me. It's not going to happen straight away. It took mm. me a good few years. I think it took me kind of getting to this point of knowing I've been through it. Yeah, I've built up my not resistance, but my my awareness of it enough that I was like, I know when I need to mm. back away from certain things. I know what my triggers are. I know what my limits are. Yeah, um, and I can see the positive that comes from it. And yeah. I think once you reach that stage, there are people out there that you know you may not know it but they'll relate to you and, and whatever's troubling you whatever condition it is that you've got there's yeah. so many people out there that relate to it and they really benefit from hearing people talk and how you are doing you know even if you don't think you're in a good place that is going to be inspiration to someone mm. so. totally totally and 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 sharing your limits and your triggers with those around you who are your support network will help them identify those, those issues for you as well yeah. so it's uh yeah, yeah it's, it's it's all very good stuff. So thanks again. No, thank you. Really appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you, Phil. See you again. If you need support with any of the subjects discussed in this episode, 
please reach out to MIND on 0300 123-3393 or the Samaritans on 116-123. Your GP can also signpost you to local support services.